All right, all right. What's going on, guys? This is the, another episode of The Techie and the Cowboy. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. So today's subject is a really good one. We're going to be talking about why God doesn't answer every single prayer and roll into that a little bit about praying for what it is that you want versus praying for what it is that you need versus uh, making sure that inside of your prayers that you're giving gratitude for what it is that you have. So we're going to talk about all this stuff, but first we got to kick that amazing intro music. Let's kick it. And now a few minutes with two of my friends who will soon be yours, the techie and the cowboy. I think that we should clarify up front, at least my position and that is kind of the way we have uh, set up the subject. It says God answers some of your prayers by giving you what you want and some of the things you don't get. But my contention is that God does answer every prayer. Sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is not just yet, you'll have to wait. But that, in fact, is an answer. You have to listen for it. My perspective is that God always gives you exactly what it is that you need. Uh, you know, you have the old saying that I used to hear growing up, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. <laughs> you know, the little chant that we do back and forth and, and all the different things. Uh, my grandma used to say, God, always, God is always right on time and his timing is never your timing, right? Um, so sometimes what it is that we think is God ignoring us or not answering our prayers is really God teaching us to be patient or God giving it to us when we need it, not necessarily when we absolutely want it. Right. And the other thing is, if you, if the way that the question is answered, why does God not answer all our prayers or does God answer our prayers? That implies that the only time we actually do pray is to ask for something that we want as opposed to the admonition we find in uh, the New Testament that talks us to pray without ceasing. We pray prayers of thanksgiving. We pray to bless people. We pray to ask that people be giving blessings for health conditions or other things, not necessarily for something material. So, you know, prayer is prayer is prayer. I remember hearing a, a pastor, or maybe it was one of my daily devotionals or somewhere, I remember hearing a pastor talk about how it is that we jump right into prayers and we start immediately asking God for what it is that we want and talking about our relationship with God. And is it that um, we only are going to God when we want something? And then he gave an example using the Lord's Prayer of how it is to pray. But he said, starting off with gratitude is the best way that you can honor God in your prayers. So I immediately started switching my prayers and always starting off with gratitude. And it just, not only does it, I think it honors God, it makes me feel better to be able to focus on the blessings first before I jump into all the things that are wrong. It's just a change of perspective. So now every, I always start off with gratitude every prayer and I just think it's an awesome way to pray. Well, think about in our society, how lately, say the last 10, 15 years or so, we have been trained about praying, particularly in the media, more specifically in film and television. You see in those things when they actually do address Christian issues, that dire situation, something really bad is about to happen to the hero slash heroine. And at that point, they say, hey, God, I know I haven't been around a lot for you, but if just this one time you could help me out. So what are they doing? They're praying when they absolutely need something. And it's kind of a, hey, thanks 
off we go. There's a movie that I don't remember the, what the name is, but it starred Burt Reynolds. So you know how old this is. And he is a real estate guy or something out in California. And his life has just really turned to dirt. And so he decides that he's going to commit suicide by swimming out into the ocean and drown himself if he doesn't get eaten by a shark or something. And so all of a sudden he decides, wait a second, this is not really a good idea. And he turns around and see, he sees how very far he is from the shore. And he goes, oh, this is no good. God, if you will help me out, I promise you, I will give you half of everything I have and everything I make. As he gets closer to shore, he reiterates it. Yeah, oh, yes, I'll give you one quarter of everything. And by the time that he actually walks on the sand, he forgets about his promise to God. Yeah, it's so, a bargaining, bargaining chip with God uh, way of, of praying is that I'm stuck in this situation. So I promise, God, I'll bargain with you. If you just get me out, if you just save so-and-so, if you just make this go away by temporary pain, then in the long term, I'm going to do more. Or I'll pray more. I'll go to church more. And that, that bargaining chip with God, which is not really effective, right? Yes, because that gets into the whole notion of that you can earn things by your behavior with God. And fundamentally, that's not true because we cannot earn our way to heaven. That has been established over and over and over. It is through God's mercy, or in this case about prayer, um, his compassion to provide us with whatever it is that is good for us. Oftentimes, you know, we ask for something and like, I got this. And then sometime down the road, you say, you know, actually, that was a lot better for me than if I had gotten what I wanted. And you bring up a good point because, you know, we talked about this in other podcasts before. God is love. And so if he is love, then he has no choice but to love you as his child. You can't earn God's love. Uh, so there's nothing that you can do to earn more or less of God's love because he loves you uh, irregardless of what it is that you've done or what it is that you do. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to be disappointed by your actions. And that does not mean that he can uh, withhold or give blessings based on what it is that you have done. But at the same time, he's going to always love you. But there's these people that grow up in these churches where it is that they feel it's the fire and brimstone churches, right? That God's always there. It's a big lightning bolt in the sky that's going to strike you down. So therefore they feel like they have to justify uh, God's love by the actions that they do, the money that they donate, how much it is that they volunteer inside of the church, how much they do for others, all great things to be able to do, but not if it is that you're just doing it so that you can feel God's love. You should be able to feel God's love no matter what. Well, there's an argument that says, does God have conditions to answering your prayers? And the answer is, as we've said before, you can't earn it, but is there some kind of condition? And I think this is not you know, necessarily theologically correct, but one of the conditions is your heart has to be ready to accept God and the Spirit's influence. Because if your heart is not ready, you won't hear when the Spirit talks to you, which might be saying, no, you don't want door number one. You want door number two. You don't want to date this woman. You want to date that woman. You don't want this job, that job. So there is kind of a, a precondition in that you have to be willing. Your heart has to be open. You have to be attuned toward God, Jesus, and the Spirit so that you can 
hear what it is that they are saying as they either grant, postpone, or deny the specific request that you've been making. 100% agree. And then you also have to be ready in your life. You know, we were talking pre-show, you were talking about perspective is everything. So you were talking about, you know, the example of your dad, right? Whenever you were a little kid and you asked something from your dad or your parents or any adult, a lot of times they would say no, and you would think it was unfair that they wouldn't give you the toy car that you needed or the whatever it is that you needed or, or something that was way below, maybe the rifle or the BB gun that you needed <laughs> as well. Their perspective is a little bit different than what yours is at nine years old. So they can foresee things that you wouldn't be able to foresee, the danger, the, the, the downfalls of giving you whatever it is that you asked for. Let me give you an example. When I was in junior high, my dad was a veterinarian. At that time, he had a pretty good practice. And there was a young guy who came to work for him part-time who was not that much older than me. And somehow, somewhere, this guy had a like a 19, late 20s, early 30s Ford, kind of like you'd see in the TV show, The Untouchables. It had the doors that opened sideways and had a long stretch between the front seat and the back seat. And the kid needed money. And he told my dad that he would sell the car to him for a hundred bucks. Now, back then, you know, a hundred bucks is more than a hundred bucks is now. I really wanted that car because I was going to be of the age where I could start driving. And I said to my father, please buy that car for me. And he looked at me and says, no, you don't need that car. And I said, you can take all my allowance until I make up for it. And he said, no. And the kid went away. His car went away. He sold it to somebody else. To this day, anytime I see one of those restored cars on the road, I'll tell Fran, that's the kind of car my dad wouldn't let me buy. To this day, I don't know why. Maybe the thing was a junker, whatever, whatever. But anyway, he thought it was a bad idea for me to have that Ford. And so I remember that, that very specifically, no is an answer to a request of something that I really, 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 really want. Did I need it? No. Turns out a 63 Volkswagen was a more practical car, and that's what I ended up with. And so if you look at your parents, or in this case, your dad, having a better perspective than you, maybe he knew the cars, maybe he knew the guy, maybe he saw something that you didn't be able to see, but he knew more than what you did and was able to help you to be able to make the decision. Now take that and put that into perspective of what it's hard to do because God is omnipresent uh, of God who can see and knows everything and knows exactly what your life path is right? He allows you the, the ability to have free will, but he knows what's going to happen before it's going to happen. So his perspective when it comes to answering prayers is a whole lot different even than your parents' perspective, but he knows exactly what it is that you want and what it is that you need. And based on your limited perspective in the moment, wanting something really badly or thinking that you need something really badly, it's easy to be able to feel like it is that he's not listening to you. Well, think about the most perfect man that ever walked the earth, and that would be Jesus. If there's anybody who deserved through his life, through his behavior, you know, he led the, he was, you know, without sin. He made a request that the cup be taken from him, from his, his father, from God. And he ended up by saying, thy will be done. So his father, God, turned down his Jesus request. So one of the things I think about when 
bad things happen in this life and people get all exercised and we're like, oh, I'm going to shake my fist at him and stuff, uh, at God, I think to him, well, God chose to let his own son die. And good for me and all of mankind that he did. But he said no to his son and let his son be put to death so that your kid who was in an automobile accident or your father who had a heart attack and died and that kind of stuff, his death basically is the same kind of thing that happened to Jesus. But Jesus was told no when he asked in his prayer to God. So you wanting something, really wanting something and being told no, it's kind of like no big deal by comparison. And this also leads into, I hear this all the time, especially as a Stephen minister, is like, if God is such a perfect God and such, God is such a loving God, how could he allow X to happen? How could he allow uh, the fires to happen? How could he allow church shootings to happen? How can he allow all these different horrific things that go on in this world to be able to happen? And if you think about it, God gives us the ability to be able to have free will. Us as men on this earth and women on this earth have the ability to have free will. And he's uh, pledged to us not to interfere, or interfere in our ability to be able to have free will. Otherwise, he could just make everybody love him, right? Or make everybody follow him if that was the case. Uh, but in the Bible, it says that he gives us the ability to have free will. So if you look at all the different things that happen, most of these things are man-made issues. Because of the choices that we made in this free will, we're living the repercussions of those things. I would never tell somebody who's in the midst of grieving this thing, right? Like somebody who it is who had a relative that was caught up in the, the recent church shootings that happened. I would never say, well, it's not God. It's the person who it is that made the decision to come in there and take out whatever issues they had on innocent people. I would never say that. But if you look at it from that perspective, is it really God that's causing all these different things that happening in the world? And the only way that he would be able to intercede on these things is to be able to take away the free will of somebody or something. Now, I do believe that he could put people in place so that these people could be caught and that we can have better laws and all this stuff. I think that he can work with the situations that we as humans create. I do think that. I do think that he's working to be able to try and make this the best world that he can. But as it is that we focus on uh, without getting on my soapbox, all the negative inside of the media and inside of the, uh, you know, what we see and what it is that we broadcast out there, as it is that we focus on becoming a more violent nation and world, then I think that that free will is erring towards the side of these some of these disastrous things that are happening. Yes, let me take that notion one step further. I had a recent conversation over uh, biscuits and gravy at my favorite place here in town. We were talking about how complex God is. And the story of Jonah was what we were discussing. But the result of our conversation was that God is compassionate. And if you look at how that is, he is at the same time just, and he is also loving. He is just in that he has said that he will punish those who do evil, which is all of us. But at the same time, he says he loves us and does things for us. He sent his son to save us. And so it's not that he runs hot and cold, but that situation by situation, he emphasizes his just side or he emphasizes his loving side. And the same happens to us as individuals. 
in particularly in this situation where we're asking for prayers. So when you ask for a prayer and you're asking for something specific, you know, is he going to respond with his justice hat on or is he going to respond with his loving hat on? But keep in mind that he is obviously infinite. So therefore he is very complex. We will never understand him so that he takes all this stuff into account when he gives us his response. In a split second. Like if you think about it, everything's happening at the same time. And he's he's constantly, you know, giving and allowing and granting blessings and denying blessings all at the same time. But that kind of leads me to one of my favorite movies that kind of just about God and everything else, which is Bruce Almighty. Right. So when he gets it, he becomes a God for the day. And he gets all these, all the blessings via email, right? And all these blessings are coming in. He can never get on top of it. And he's just, so he decides to hit yes to all because that would solve everything, right? And then all of a sudden, there's these people winning the lottery and all this stuff. And he's like, look, it's all happy. But then all the repercussions happen because of all the stuff he said yes to. And whenever somebody wins, somebody has to be able to lose. It's called the law of polar opposites. I was taught this a, a while back and, and helped me also with my perspective about uh, bad things happening. Law Pole Opposite says that for every good thing that happens, there's a bad thing. And for every bad thing that happens, there's a good thing that's equal and opposite in it. In other words, and the example that I used with you earlier in pre-call is that whenever it is that your transmission goes out inside of your car while it is that you're driving, on your perspective, that's horrible. Worst thing that can happen. I can't afford this time-wise. Maybe it is it even stopped you from going to on a vacation or getting to work on time or whatever else. Maybe it is your last straw before you get fired. So you're thinking of all the things that, why is it that would God allow this to happen? On the flip side, there's a guy who it is that's running a mechanic shop that maybe he may have to close down if he can't get any more business in. And all of a sudden your transmission going out is the one thing that's able to save him, save his family, allow his kids to be able to eat, allow his kids to be able to go to school. Law of Polar Opposite says that for every win, there has to be a loss. It entertains me when people pray for uh, the outcome of a football game. <laughs> like they pray that my team is going to be able to win and they're praying, pray. I saw this at the, the Super Bowl is that they're praying, praying to win. Not praying for me to play my best, not praying for for whatever your will be done. They're praying that my team wins the Super Bowl. Well, if he answers your prayers, there's people on the other team that are saying, I'm praying for my team to win the Super Bowl as well. So whose prayer does he answer? <laughs> or what does he God have favorite team <laughs> teams that he's gonna choose one over the other? The law of polar opposite says that if there's a winner, there has to be a loser at some aspect of it. In order for the Mothers Against Drunk Driving and all of the domestic violence, my wife is a domestic violence advocate, so she does a lot of volunteer there. In order for that to have happened, those organizations to have been formed, there had to be somebody that went through it in order to come out the other side and help other people to be able to make it through it. So when they were going through, you couldn't have told them that the God has come. The worst thing that you could say is God is doing this for a reason because that doesn't resonate with somebody who's going through it. But once they come out the other side, more times than not, that benefited somebody who it is that was able um, to give their uh, organs once it is that they passed to somebody who really needed it. That's the law of polar opposites for something that horrific that happened. Then somebody else was able to survive or for scientific breakthroughs to happen because it is, they were able to uh, investigate what it is that happened to this one person. And now they're able to help so many other people based on the research that they had off of this one person who had this rare thing that happened to them. That's the law of polar opposites. Maybe not, right away, maybe not in your life, but for everything that happens, there's an equal and opposite side of it. Yeah. Also keep in mind what was one of the most, I don't know, famous, at least obvious 
situations where something was asked of God, he said yes, but it was on his timetable. And that would be Abraham and Sarah. Absolutely. God promised him that he would have a son. And he waited and waited and waited. And what did he do? He decided that he'd take matters more or less in his own hands and got together with his servant. And of course, we got that whole set of tribes over there. So there were some, as you said, there were some unintended consequences of him not waiting on God's timing. So you can take matters in your own hands, or you can accept a no, or you can accept the wait, but know that there is precedent that is recorded for history of where God, who really thought a lot of Abraham, made him the head of the, you know, the whole Jewish tribe, and he still made him wait and wait and wait until he was an old man to have a, to have a son. So you, you know, waiting six months to uh, get your transmission fixed or whatever, uh, <laughs> really means, doesn't mean a lot. It means a lot to you at the time, but in perspective, it doesn't mean a lot. And that brings up another good point, too, because if you look at it, sometimes we sabotage our way out of the blessings being answered on time, too. You know, he took matters into his own hand and therefore even pushed out maybe even sooner that the blessing would have been bestowed upon him. So sometimes it is that we do stuff trying to take, you know, the steering wheel instead of letting Jesus take the wheel, uh, take the steering wheel and do things our own and say, you know what, God, I got this. I got this from this point. Thank you for your help up until this point. Almost like your analogy of the, the guy coming to shore, right? Uh, I got it from this. I got it from here. Thank you for saving me. I think I can steer the, the ship. I can steer the car now. And then whenever you're getting in a situation, oh, Lord, help me. Take your hands off the wheel. Please take it. Take the wheel. And then when you get out of the situation, you grab back all the way. You're like, okay, thanks. Thanks, Lord. I got it. When is it that you're going to allow him to? And this is a question I ask myself all the time. When are you going to allow him to be able to be the captain of the ship at all time? And are you listening to the captain whenever he's telling you what it is to do? Or are you saying, I think I know a better way. And I think that can delay your blessings as well. So again, free will, we got to look at what it is that we're doing also to delay our blessings. And are we opening up to what the spirit has to tell us? Well, just think about those friends that you have or acquaintances or whatever. I can think of, uh, <clears throat> there's another student in my, uh, my writing class. And the only time that I hear from that person is when they want something. Hey, will you look at this? Hey, what do you think about uh, if this happens and this happens, this happens? Hey, can I borrow your book? Hey, you know, aside from that, nothing. You know, can pass in the hallway, don't even look up or smile. But if they want something, boom, they're there. Question we have to ask ourselves, are we that person? The only time that, you know, we look up and smile, hey, God, you know, I really could use, you know, so it's. You, so you, so you fair have, weather friends, so are you a fair weather uh, Christian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like, a, a, you know, the whole, the whole deal is that we're walking a pathway that God has set out for us. We don't just get on the pathway when it suits us. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to get on the yellow brick road in order to pick up the phone and call God and say, hey, you know, I need the Yankees to win this game. No, that's not the deal. The deal is you're on the road. You're doing your thing. You're praying every day. You're giving gratitude. You're giving praise. Uh, just, you know, a prayer should be just another thing you're doing, not the only thing you're doing. And not the only thing it is that you're going to believe that's going to happen. This is the, the challenge I have with some of the prosperity preachers out there that only preach God is going to enter and God is going to give you and God's going to do and everything else like that. Not about what it is that you can do to be a better Christian and to give to others and everything else. They only preach about 
your situation, your, your, how it is that you're going to be able to get out of your situation. It's funny because um, my son, Kid Pizarro, is a DJ, right? And so he, he DJs only uh, clean, secular, and Christian music, right? And we were DJing an event where it's going to be primarily gospel music that was going to be played. And so, and me growing up in a church that played, you know, had gospel sound to it, even though it was a Methodist church, uh, non-traditional Methodist, and it had a gospel sound to it. But me now coming to a, a more of a modern worship style church, uh, that's one of the things I miss. So I'm listening to this music and then I'm listening to the top 25 or 30 gospel songs and every single one of them is about people going through and how God's going to bring you through and how it is, even though you have all these stuff going on, he hasn't forgotten you which is great. This is great for people who it is that are coming out of the situation, but I'm looking for the other side. I'm looking for the praise him. He's good. He's great no matter what. And it's not just a, uh, you know, pray, you're going to come out of the situation, pray, you're going to come out of the situation, which I truly believe, but it's not, uh, there's no opposite side. Same thing with some pastors that I've been listening to online who only preach the whole, God is going to get you through this. If you pray hard enough, if you give enough, if you do enough, then God will bring you through this. All you got to do is just keep praying. Just keep praying for the exact same thing over and over again. And at some point, God is going to answer this blessing. And I have, I have a little challenge with that because I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> well, I, that made me think of an example. Those are the kind of people who believe in that kind of stuff and make their, those prayers. They envision themselves as the quarterback of the winning team, they come into the game, they throw the Hail Mary pass, touchdown wins the game, as opposed to the quarterback who throws, he gets, you know, what's a good percentage? If you complete 30% of your passes, 50% of your passes, it's not 100%. So you throw incompletes, you throw interceptions, you get sacked. Uh, you, sometimes you have to run, occasionally you uh, get a concussion. You know, there are, but you play the game, you work at it, and you will, when time is right, uh, score the winning touchdown. But you got to be in the game and you got to play and you got to work. You got to be in the game. So the question that I always ask myself is, am I listening to what God has is saying to me? Am I open right now to the spirit or am I too busy pushing my own agenda and what it is that I think I want or what it is that I think I need and asking God to help me to push that forward? Sometimes I have to take a step back from the situation and take a look at who do I want this for? Is it for me? Is it for the glory of the God and glory of the kingdom? Is it for embitterment of my situation? Or is it just to be able to make me feel more comfortable? Uh, who got me into this situation? Did I get myself in the situation based on the, the decisions that I made? And now I'm asking God to be able to save me from drowning in this situation. Are there things that I can do to be able to remedy or I could have done so I can do it better next time to be able to make sure I don't get in this situation again. Like, what are the steps up that got me into this, where it is that I'm at? Was it decisions about my eating and my health and my nutrition that got me to the point where it is I have all these different ailments going on, and now I can have the decision to be able to make a change and do that? Was it decisions about my finances that I made before, maybe things I didn't need or shouldn't have been spending money on that got me into the situation? Now I'm asking God to deliver me from this financial situation. And will he let me stay here for a little bit so that way I can learn a lesson? So because if he was delivering me right away, I would go right back to those old habits and those old things that I was doing because I didn't feel the pain of being in the situation, the repercussions of being in the situation. These are kind of things that I ask myself now that I'm more mature in my Christianity than before, whenever it is that I would just pray whenever I needed something. Right. And one of the things that we have to be conscious of is that we often have, I don't know, I guess what you would call a continuing sin. 
you know, whether it's overeating or taking drugs or whatever. And you keep on saying, well, I'm going I'm to put that down. And oh, by the way, God, I need to find a new job. Well, as long as you're clinging to this other thing, is that really your God mm. substitute? Or the thing you spend the most time with, the thing that you feel like you really need, do you need that stuff more than you need God the Father? So it's kind of insincere to ask for a favor because you do not have the power to get it yourself from God when you're saying, I want this from you, God, but keep in mind, you're not the number one thing in my life. So you have to examine that as well. I had to run into it with the pastor about this, this, this same subject. He's one of those very judgmental pastors that likes to throw things at his congregation that they need to be doing and how it is that God's disappointed in them because they didn't. But yet this pastor is at least 150 pounds overweight and everything at that church was around food and it was really about overeating and gluttony. So when I called him on it, he was not too happy about, you know, gluttony is one of the <laughs> seven deadly sins. So right. I was like, how is it that you can be so judgmental and, and really condemn and <laughs> judge all of your people about everything else when you have one thing, one big, huge thing that you're not really addressing and whatever else, because it's comfortable for you, because that's how the church has always been. That's how it is that we always do stuff. And I love my food. So, I mean, I'm not going to give that up because of whatever. He actually asked me to come in and ask, help him with the health and nutrition. But then he gave me a list of stuff that he wasn't going to give up and he wasn't going to do, because that's just a, how it is that he likes it. And being at the head of this church that he was at, everybody kind of succumbs to whatever it is that he likes. And I guess he thought I was going to do the same thing. He picked the wrong guy. <laughs> so, so when we went, so when we kind of butted heads around this, and it was very respectfully butted heads because I respect him and he respects me, but you could see that I had hit a sore spot. And I was like, look, you can't say it is that you're, you're being godlike and all of the other things, except for this one thing, God. Just, just give me a pass on this one because I like my food. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, so it's, it's easy to, all that being said, it's easy to judge other people based on what it is that we're doing right and we think that they're doing wrong. But it goes back to that old, you know, having the big, huge <laughs> plank in your own eye <laughs> and right. not being able to see it. And then looking at the speck in somebody else's eye is like sometimes we need to just turn the mirror on ourselves and really focus on what we're doing and stop being so judgmental about what other people do. To be sure. So that gives us the mindset of how do I discover those things? Prayer and meditation is at least a first step because in that prayer and meditation, you're doing two things. One, you're thinking on thoughts outside yourself, which you should be doing. You're thinking of things that are historically through the Bible important in our Christian belief. And it is an opportunity in the meditation to listen as the Spirit speaks to us. Because without that, you know, maybe if you put the Twinkies down and uh, listen to the prayers, the Spirit could be saying, you know, it'd be a good idea for your health long-term, for the church, everything. If you improved the temple that I built for you in your body, show some respect for that because without that, not much I can do when uh, the laws of nature on this earth take over and you croak. Well, it's also, I think, being open to the Spirit allows you to be able to hear when God puts people in your life, like me for that pastor, who puts the reality in your face, where everybody else in your yes person circle may be too scared or too uh, have too much quote-unquote respect for you to be able to say something. 
Then God enters Alistair, who's not scared, who's not intimidated by you, to be able to put a little bit of truth in your ear. Are you open enough in the spirit to be able to receive that and receive it in love? Because I did it very much out of love and respect for him, but also not giving him a pass on something that obviously everybody else in his yes circle gave him a pass on. Uh, and it was very heavy on my heart and my spirit to be able to say something to him, though, even though I almost didn't, just because it is, I didn't want to be able to jeopardize our relationship. But I knew if I didn't, nobody else would. And I think God put that on my heart to say it for him. Okay, I'll finish up with my whole mindset by recalling this story. I'm not sure if I've ever told you about the Irish guy, since I'm of Irish blood, I always listen to those things. His name was Seamus. This is back in the day. And every year when the Irish sweepstakes would come along, he'd say, please, God, please, God, please, God, this year, let me win the sweepstakes. Sweepstakes would come along. He didn't win. Next year, same thing. Oh, this year, God, please let me win. Let me win. Let me win. Let me win. This went on for a while. Finally, one year he's doing it. And God, through the, the ways that he does that, said to him, Seamus, this year, if you want my help, buy a ticket. <laughs> Great place. So, that's, Great. That, that, so that says you can ask for things. That's okay. That's what you know, we were instructed to do. But you've got to do your part as well. Ah, perfect place to be able to stop. So as always, we always ask our viewers to be able to reach out on our Facebook page, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, and give us your comments. You know, we love to hear feedback about your perspective about what it is that we talk about. Our whole goal whenever we started this thing was to be able to have two guys openly talking about our faith and, and our faith journey and some of the things that we've experienced, but it's just our opinion. So we love to be able to hear what it is that your feedback is on this and we always invite you to you know to reach out if it is that you uh, need help being able to connect and better your relationship with God. And one other thing, be sure and tell your friends and acquaintances about this interesting podcast you've been listening to. You got it. Share, like, comment, and subscribe is the most important thing. With that being said, my name is Alistair Hunt, the techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, the cowboy. And let's kick that country outro music. That's it for this episode. Join us again next time for the techie and the cowboy. Hit us up on our website, thetechieandthecowboy.com. Let us know what y'all think.